there's been a theme here this morning. That theme has been one word, and it's actually just four letters. I hope you know what it is. How many of you hope you know what it is? Anybody got a hope of an idea? I'm hoping that you'll have it. Anybody have a hope of giving me an answer? Hope. hope. You guys are brilliant. <laughs> hope. Hope. Um, as most of you know, if you know me at all, you know that before I came here, uh, the last thing I did was uh, CEO of a pregnancy center. Oddly enough, what we had here last week was a pregnancy center, but uh, I was in a pregnancy center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, and there in that pregnancy center, we were called Onslow Pregnancy Resource Center, and it's because it was in Onslow County. So Onslow Pregnancy Resource Center. Well, you all know that uh, some time ago, Roe v. Wade got overturned. And we can say praise the Lord, hallelujah, amen. But uh, when that happened, as, as many great things about that that were reality, there was one reality that hit really fast, and that was that uh, those who oppose pregnancy center work or the concept of the sanctity of human life came on the attack, and they came on the attack spiritually, uh, they came on the attack verbally, but they also came on, on the attack physically. And multiple, many pregnancy centers were actually attacked physically uh, with vandalism, uh, one got burnt to the ground. Uh, so long and short, uh, we had three affiliates that we were affiliated with nationally, and uh, all three of them, specifically one of them that was the legal arm, uh, came to us and said, you really, if you have pregnancy center in your name, you really need to figure out a way to get that out of your name. And it, it will help you in the community, help and long and short. They said do that for safety, but as well as many other reasons. So we had already been praying about that anyway. So Lisa and I were, uh, we used to exercise. Um, she still looks like it, I don't. Um, but we were out walking one evening. We walked uh, usually, how many, three, four miles in an evening. Uh, we were walking. The sun had already set or was setting. And... Um, uh, I'll never forget this. I was praying about what, what do you change Onslow Pregnancy Resource Center to? And we were praying, I was praying about it while we were walking, and it hit me. God shared it with me. And that name was Hope First. Hmm. Hope. Hope changes everything. It's a four-letter word, but it, it's powerful. And it's a hope that we're talking about in James. It's hope. It's a hope, and that hope is not a hope like, boy, I hope I get some ice cream. Boy, I hope my team wins this afternoon, or I hope that that girl will like me, or I hope. Th those are all hopes that have a maybe, maybe not concept. The hope that we're talking about is an all-knowing hope. It's a hope that says, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that my hope is going to be realized, and it's going to be realized in my faith, in my trust, in my uh, relationship with Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? Amen. So, hope. I hope you got that this morning. That was all free. That was not part of what you paid for when you got here. Come on, hope. I hope you get the humor. I hope, I hope that you'll open up your Bible to James, James chapter 1. I'm going to begin reading with 
first one. We're going to go through verse 8. We've done that for several weeks now. I hope you're not tired of it. It's the Word of God. God's trying to speak to you. He's trying to shake us and rattle us and get us where we need to be no matter what we're facing. So James chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, reads like this. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind." For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Pray with me, will you? God, I hope that we will hear this morning. I hope that we will hear from you this morning as you speak into our hearts. And Lord, I know that if we don't hear from you this morning, it is not because you're not speaking. It's because we're not listening. Father, I pray that we would hear with listening ears, and Father, that our spirit would come alongside the Holy Spirit and listen to the word that he inspired. And Lord, allow that word to have its work in us, that we may be changed a little bit more into the likeness of Christ today. And Lord, that you would gain honor and glory as to what you're doing in, about, and through us. And Father, let us give you all the praise and honor and glory because you are worthy of it all. Father, for those going through storms, having just been through storms or facing storms tomorrow, Father, I pray, Lord, that this would be uh, the very salve that we need on the wounds caused by the storm. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Key thought a couple weeks ago, it was, went like this. It said, rejoice in the trials that we face, not letting them destroy what will come out of them. Joy in the midst of a trial how many of you have mastered that in the past couple of weeks? You, you nailed it. Come on, the Word of God's supposed to be doing a work here. Well, I know, I know it's not that simple. I know that it's a challenge. But I also know that the more we embrace the Word, the more that we settle in on this concept, the more we can find the joy even in the midst of the rain. You know, I love to see a beautiful rainbow, but it doesn't come without the storm. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? <laughs> I can find the joy even in the midst of the storm because I know that that's what's causing the beauty of what's happening in my life. No matter what you're going through, God is doing it and allowing it for a purpose and we can find joy in that. The key thought uh, two weeks ago was we are expected to weather our trials and in the process of weathering them, we can grow in our Christian maturity, experience, 
and faithfulness. I'm going to face my battles, and I'm going to grow through them. I'm going to be better as a result of them, and I'm going to be able to traverse them in a way that causes maturity to happen, so that no matter what I face tomorrow, I will be stronger as a result of yesterday, all because of what he's doing in and about me. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Well, today it's a message called No Other Way. Now, my kids, I used to sing a song to my kids, and uh, I pray that I don't offend you. I, I hope that you understand it's not sacrilege. I pray that you see it for what it is. But the song I used to sing to my kids, and they didn't like the song, but I personally liked the song, and I think you'll understand why here in just a moment. But the song went like this. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to get along with your father than to trust and obey. They didn't like that. It wasn't sacrilege. I wasn't saying I was God. I was saying, I'm your dad, and you're going to do what I say. There's no other way to get along with me as my child than to do what I say. And there's so much that can be translated and transferred to the real meaning of that song, and there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust him and obey him. Grow as a result of your relationship with him and whatever you face. If you'll remember last week, what we did was uh, we had kind of a bifurcated, shortened service where we had the interview with the pregnancy center, which I think is great. There's more bottles out there. If you didn't get one, grab one, fill it up with uh, change for dollars or checks or whatever, and uh, preferably not marbles. Um, come on. But grab one of those and bring it back here in a week or two or five, whatever it takes. But uh, I encourage you to do that. It was a worthy thing that we did, but it shortened my message. So what I'm doing today is I'm going to catch us up. And I'm going to run through what we ran through last week real quick. You all listening really quick? Here we go. The confidence of the request. And that is beginning with verse 5 there. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to you. God is ready to hear, listen, and respond to your present need. God is waiting to hear from you. No matter what you're facing, don't do it by yourself. He's ready to hear you. Every believer comes across a time when you're moving into uh, a new spiritual territory. You don't have a clue as to how to get it, get through it. You're traveling through uncharted waters. You don't know what's going to happen next, and you need help. We all find ourselves there from time to time. So, whatever we have done up to this point has prepared us to walk faithfully forward. Remember, the word if we can say since, since, since there will come a time when you do not have wisdom, since there will come a time when wisdom leaves you. We are all prone to be there when we don't know what to do next. What do we do about that? <laughs> we need to ask God for wisdom. We ask him, just ask, just ask him. Why don't we ask? <laughs> I know why we don't ask. I know why you don't ask. I know why I don't ask. I know why we don't ask. You want to know why you don't ask? You want to know why I don't ask? Because I'm going to be the boss of me. I'm going to do what I want. And I'm going to tell God what I want, and he's going to do what I ask him to do. Because he's God and he loves me. 
That's a very poor theology. It's a very poor view of God. And it's a very myopic view of your situation. You don't know what you're doing. If you don't know what you're doing, say, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, you guys are good because I knew that would strike a chord. It did with me. I don't know what I'm doing. But I know one who does. Hey, you'll remember uh, James uh, from the Amplified Version, which somebody came up to me after the service and said, what you were reading was not what was up on the board. So Barbara and I sat down this week and we learned a couple of things. Now, actually, we learned one thing. There are two different Amplified Bibles out there. I did not know that. I, I guess I'd never paid any attention to that. There's the Amplified Bible and there's the Amplified Classic. Now, the one that Barbara put up there was the Amplified Bible. And I said, Barbara. I'm a classic. <laughs> I, I was using the classic, really. Anyway, so here it is. If any of you is deficient in wisdom, let him ask of the giving God who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly without reproaching or fault finding, and it will be given him. God's wisdom is, get this, practical. We're asking so we can so we can get so we don't get overcome by our trials and we have mature and we become mature and we are lacking nothing that's that's why we're going to him god's wisdom is divine why is it divine because he is divine better said he is the divine he is the only one he is the one true living god all God's people said, hallelujah, amen, glory. That's when you get crazy. God, God's wisdom is practical. God's wisdom is divine. And God's wisdom is Christ-like. Asking for wisdom is really asking to be Christ-like. I don't know about you, but the one thing that I desire more than anything when I get into the Word of God is to, is to grow in Christ-likeness. I want to become more like Christ. He was perfect. He was perfection. He was, he was God's Son. He is God's Son, and He did it all right, and I want to become like Him. To become like Him is to learn from Him, learn from the Father. I want to become Christ-like, to, to gain wisdom, to ask God for wisdom is to become more like Christ. God will give gener generously, bountifully. God will not find fault in our asking. God won't complain. And <laughs> the, the word ask means, you ready? Desire, beg, <laughs> or crave. Desire, beg, or crave. I, I took great pleasure over the past two weeks of having two little midgets running around my house. And they're mom and dad. Um, but having my two granddaughters with us reminded me why it feels good to be a grandparent and not a parent. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I, they'd come and ask me for something. I'd say, sure. <laughs> There you go. Candy, you want it? Yeah, you got it. <laughs> My papa. <laughs> I'm the king. I, they love me because anything. But it was fun to listen to them and to see the things that 
were concerning them, the things that they wanted that weren't necessarily good for them, the things that they did that would cause them problems, and yet they, they wanted it. And, and I find myself, I find us as believers in Jesus Christ trying, traverse, trying to traverse this life of us trying to do that which we want, which is not good for us. We need to go to the Father, much like my grandbabies would come to me. We need to go to the Father and seek his wisdom. We need to beg for it. We need to plead for it. And we need to rely upon it. So let me share the asking in another way real quick. This, this, is, this is kind of fun if you'll listen to it. Four facts about God encouraging us to ask for wisdom. Four simple facts about him saying, come to me and ask. First, God is a giving God. Giving to those who ask from God is natural for God. He is a God who naturally wants the very best for you. Much like I want the very best for my grandbabies. I want the very best for my children. I want the very best for my church. I want the very best for my brothers and sisters in Christ. But God wants the very best for you. Do you believe that? Say amen. amen. He wants the very best for you. That doesn't mean that it's going to be easy or it's going to be a primrose path or that it's going to be always joyful and always fun. What it means is, is he wants the best for you. So he's saying, come to me because I have the answer that you're craving. Listen and then adhere. God is a giving God and God gives generously to all. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. Hmm. God gives generously to everybody. He has no favorite recipients. He doesn't give to Daniel more than he gives to, to John or to Bill or to Susie or to Betty or to... He, he gives to all equally if we will humbly come before him seeking his wisdom. He's going to give to all. He doesn't care about your class. He doesn't care about your race. Doesn't care what kind of person you are. Doesn't care whether you're good looking, whether you're ugly, whether you're tall, whether you're skinny, whether you're fat, whether you're short, whether you're... Do I need to go any further? He doesn't care who you are. I mean, he cares who you are. Boy, that... Don't write that down. I can see that on the news. He doesn't care. God doesn't care who you are. No, he's not a respecter of one over another. He's going to come and he's going to listen to your plea and he's going to answer you and teach you and train you and grow you. God is a giving God who gives generously to all and God will give without finding fault. God does not do it in such a way as to humiliate you. He does not chastise you for your failure or hold your unworthiness against you. He is always ready to add new blessings to old ones without finding fault in us for many shortcomings. When I was a little boy, it was my birthday. It was in October. I, I got a birthday present from my mom and my dad, and it was awesome. Probably one of the best birthday presents I ever got. It was an airplane. It wasn't a real one. I mean, it wasn't like a big one. It, it actually, it was very big. It was, the wingspan was at least two of these, probably two and a half. It was a big wingspan. It was made out of styrofoam. Big old plane. And it had a motor in it. 
and it ran off of a nine volt battery. You know, the big square ones with the little two springs on top. And you take the airplane and it had two little contacts on the bottom and you'd hold it on those two little springs. And you had to count to, to like 5,000. As a kid, it felt like it, but I don't know how long you had to hold it on there. And then you took it off and you take it out and you hit the propeller and it would start it up and you throw it and it'd fly forever way out there. Behind my house where I grew up, we had a, a farm and there was a field and it was called Bullwinkle's Field. I'm not making that up. Bullwinkle. Huh? <clears throat> I used to go back in that field and I'd fly that plane. I loved that plane. It was one of the best gifts I ever got. But one of the rules of flying that plane, it came the instructions. One of those things was when you charged it up and you hit the propeller and you went to launch it, you had to launch it with the wind. You never launched it into the wind. Dummy. You know what he did. He launched it into the wind. I'd played with this thing for hours. And then one time, one time, I launched it into the wind. It went up. The propeller broke. I went and found my plane. And I found the propeller piece that broke off. I ran home. And I went to my dad. Dad, it broke. <laughs> no problem, son. Come on. We went down to a shop. He went into a shop, and he got stuff out, and he mixed up this epoxy glue, and he put that propeller back on there, and he taped it on there, and he said, okay. He said, in about 24 hours, that should cure, and that plane should be just fine, son. Thank you, Dad. You're the best. I love you, Dad. You're the most awesomest dad in the whole wide world, Dad. I went upstairs, and I went to the kitchen, got a cookie. I was so happy. My daddy was the best dad in the whole world because he fixed my plane. I ate my cookie, and then I went downstairs, and I walked up to my plane, and I looked at that propeller. I stared at it for a minute, and it looked pretty dry. And I wiggled that little propeller, and I said, boy, that's pretty solid. I don't think... I Let's go test it. And I took it back to Bullwinkle's farm. I charged it up. I hit that propeller and I threw it and pff, it broke again. There's a lesson to be learned. Number one, don't ask your dad to fix something and then take it and break it again an hour later when he told you to wait 24. You take that plane, you dismantle it, and you hide it so that nobody ever finds that plane again. Number two, learn the lesson. When you take something to God and you take it to him and you say, God, here's my situation. It's broken. I'm broken and I need you to, God, take it and I need you to minister to it, fix it, teach me from it, whatever it is, Father, I leave it with you and walk away and 10 minutes later, run back and pick it up out of his lap. You leave it with him and you trust him with it. He says that he's going to take care of us. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally, liberally without reproach. He's not going to blame you for its brokenness. He's going to blame you if you don't trust him with it. And I can prove that here in just a minute. We'll get there. But listen to this fourth idea. God promises to answer those who come seeking wisdom. God promised it. If he promised it, he meant it. A request according to his will receives his answer. Did you hear me? <laughs> A request according to his will receives his answer. 
a, record, a request according to his will, not yours, not mine, not ours, according to his will. Listen to 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. We can trust him and believe that he is going to answer us if we pray according to his will. Does that resonate in your heart? Do you remember another time in scripture where we see one who exemplifies this whole concept? We've got Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's just hours before he is going to be scourged and he's going to be beaten. He's going to be on trial, beaten, taken to the cross, hung there, and die on that cross, placed in a borrowed tomb on the third day. He's going to raise again, though. We'll talk about that in a couple months. But do you remember in the Garden? Oh, Father. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But if not, not my will, but thine be done. In accordance to his will, we pray. I'm fine with you asking him for anything as long as you, in the end, recognize, realize, and embrace the fact that you must be willing to acquiesce to his will. Mm, that changes everything, doesn't it? That's where faith comes in and actually relying on him, not just in word, but in deed. <laughs> wow. Our responsibility with God's generosity, what are we supposed to do with it? It's to believe God when he gives us the wisdom we ask for. We trust what he teaches and shows and leads us to. <laughs> we believe him. We must be careful that we do not doubt. What? Verse 6, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Doubting. Oh, now wait a minute. That, that would be so easy just to skip on past this idea where we just say, well, ask, beg, crave. Okay, yeah, I got all that, preacher. But, but now you got to do it with no doubting. Now you're asking too much. I mean, I'm just human. I'm, I'm prone to doubt. <laughs> we must be careful not to doubt. To doubt, listen, to doubt means to hesitate, withdraw, or <laughs> one of those fun words, vacillate. These are dangerous for us. To vacillate means that we uh, believe it, no, well, yeah, maybe not, I, yeah, but I don't, I'm going to trust him, no, but, but there's a problem, but I, I'm getting tired, we should all say amen or something. <laughs> vacillate means that I go to, and I, I, I believe it, but then I take it back, and then I, I try to trust him, but then my flesh takes over, and the situation, and people, and there's so many things in life, and we're being told, don't doubt, don't hesitate, don't withdraw, don't vacillate. They're dangerous. The danger, well, what's the danger in doubt? Doubts are like the wave of the sea, the Bible tells us, the surge of the sea. They are destructive. I'm going to tell you a quick story, and this isn't about being in the sea. I was in Uganda, Africa back in 2000. I was on a mission trip. 
And what you do on a mission trip is you try one day, especially when there's teenagers involved, you try to have one day where you relax a little bit, see the countryside, whatever, go, go and relax a little bit. Well, somebody on that trip, I don't know who it was, decided that we were going to go and relax and take a whitewater river rafting trip down the Nile. <laughs> now, your preacher has most certainly, at least once in his life, been in denial. <clears throat> so it was a very horrible river rafting trip. I'm just telling you, it's the last one I've been on. I've been on many in my life. That's the last one. It's a very, very violent river, and that's no joke. Um, but we, we got into the rafts, and the, the guides with each raft uh, went through all the safety stuff, blah, 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 and he's telling us what to do. And he tells us about these one rapids where he says, when, when you get to that rapid, stay on the left side. Don't go on the right side. There's whirlpools over there. The whirlpool will take you and suck you under, hold you under the river, and it will rob you of all oxygen. And you know what happens when that happens. That's not a, not a good thing. So anyway, so he says, stay on the left side. So we are going down this river and we're having a blast. I mean, yeah, right. Um, we got thrown out just about every rapid and we finally get to that one rapid where he says, stay on the left, stay away from the right because there's whirlpools that will suck you and hold you under. So we're, we're all thrown out of the raft. We're in the river and I'm staying to the left. I'm real serious about staying on the left side of this river. I'm real serious about it. So I don't like the idea of being sucked to the bottom and not having oxygen. But then I look up and one of our teenagers, a girl, she is on the right side of the river, dangerously close to the whirlpools. So we start yelling, come back, it's whirlpools, you gotta come back. She's like, <laughs> so being an adult, I'm supposed to be responsible. So I start swimming. I swim over there, and Rebecca's her name. So I get on the other side of Rebecca, in between Rebecca and the whirlpool, and I put my feet up on her back, and I, I told her, I said, you got to get back to that side. Well, I'm going to push you, and when I push you, you swim as hard as you can, and you get to those rafts. Okay. So I push with my legs as hard as I can. She starts swimming, and she is safe. Isn't that awesome? But as you push in the river, you push her that way, where does it push you? The whirlpools. And sure enough, the whirlpool grabbed me. And the whirlpool sucked me under the river. And it took all of my oxygen and I died. No, I'm just kidding, I'm here. <clears throat> One of the things that I forgot and hadn't really paid attention to, the guide said, if by chance you find yourself on the right side of the river and you get caught in one of these whirlpools, a sure way to save yourself is to spread eagle and it will kick you back out and you can swim to safety. So I'm at the bottom of the river, not literally, but it's sucking me down and I remembered what he said and I thought, that's... that's He's just telling us a story. Well, I'll do anything. So I did that, and it kicked me out, and I swam to safety. What's the story here? Does that image give you another image? Where is your salvation? It's not in you. It's in what he did for you. And if you are going to allow your circumstances, your situation, your problem, your trial, your tribulation, whatever it is that you're facing, if you're going to allow that to 
suck you under and hold you under and kill you, that is because you are not trusting, clinging to, and relying on the wisdom that only he can provide. We trust him, cling to, rely on with no doubting. I'm promising you, you are not your own boss, and if you are, you're a poor one. He has everything you need. Remember, he is the divine. We're tossed by doubts. They have a negative effect on us vertically. We become double-minded because of doubts. We lack focus. Let me use that word again because it's so much fun. We tend to vacillate between God's thoughts and our faulty logic, thinking that leads us astray. Double-minded will get us every time. You can trust him. I don't care if you've been given bad news. I don't care if you've been given bad news after you thought the problem was taken care of. There's no reason for us to doubt that which he teaches us and shows us. We don't vacillate between God's wisdom and our logic. We will be led astray. We become unstable because of doubts. Like a staggering drunk. You ever seen a staggering drunk? He, he goes this way, and then he goes that way. We just go back and forth, and we're trying to navigate through life. I remember I was, uh, I was on staff at my first church position. I was uh, uh, minister of education and youth. At that church, um, it was Horse Creek Baptist Church, by the way. <laughs> what a name, huh? Horse Creek Baptist Church is in uh, Lisa's hometown. But uh, there was an old church, and I remember I was looking for something, and I went up into the attic of the church, and I found the old, old uh, church minutes from their business meetings. And I started reading them, and I came across this one. And this one said, I'm just going to make up names here to protect the innocent and because I have no memory. But it said, uh, Tom was found drunken in the street. We went to Tom, and we talked to Tom, and he refuses to stop drinking. So we would like to make a motion that we re, 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 uh, remove his uh, standing as a member of this church effective immediately. All those in favor say aye. Aye. Tom got kicked out of church. How sad. And it was like a business meeting or two later, Tom stood before the church tonight, and Tom... Uh, repented of his sin, and he asked for forgiveness and asked for membership in the church. What's the, uh, what's the pleasure of the church? All in favor say aye, aye, and he's now a member of the church again. Good for Tom. He's, he's been taken care of. He's no longer a slave to his alcohol. He's now in good standing with the church. Until two business meetings later, Tom was found drunk down behind the tavern, and we recommend, and he got removed. Now, I'm not kidding you. This happened four or five times as I read through all these business meetings. I can't help but think about good old Tom and the fact that he is unstable in all his ways. He is doubting and losing sight of God. God wants to guide us through the storm, through the trial, through the, through the difficulty, through our own vacillation. He wants us to trust him, not our heart, and we will 
gain wisdom. Listen to this key thought, number three. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Nope, I'm sorry. God will, I was about to read to you scripture. God will respond to our need for wisdom in the face of trials. You believe that? Say amen. God will respond to you in the midst of your trials with wisdom, your great need. Our danger is that we will not receive his wisdom with the faith it deserves. We need to open our eyes and not allow the enemy to bring deception our way. We know that God will respond to our need for wisdom in the face of trials. Our danger is that we will not receive his wisdom in the faith with the faith that it deserves. Let me leave you with this scripture, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Do you believe that? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. Ooh. <laughs> he will direct your path. So, there you have it. That's it. As believers, trials are a certainty. Trials are a certainty. I don't know what you're going through, but trials, yesterday, today, or tomorrow, they're certain. But they are also survivable, and according to God, will be times of significant growth in our lives. We do not go through them alone. God himself desires to assist you. He wants to help you. <coughs> he wants to grow you. All we have to do is ask. And even in the asking, we're becoming more like Christ. Our task is to keep our doubts away by faith. Put your hope in him, an all-knowing hope. If you don't know him, today's a great day to say, I need Jesus in my heart and in my life. I need him to be Savior, but not just Savior of my life. I need him to be Lord of all, every bit of me, every ounce of me. No matter what you're going through, he's here and ready for you. Maybe you're wandering. Maybe you've been running from him. Maybe you're his child, but you haven't been living like it, and you need to. You want to rededicate your life. You want to come back to him. You can talk to me or you can just talk to him right here at this altar. Maybe you're going through a trial and you need to come and seek wisdom. Maybe you know someone else is going through a trial and you need to seek wisdom on their behalf. Maybe you just simply need to pray for a family member, a friend, whomever going through whatever they're going through, whether it's a need for salvation or a need for uh, a new life, whatever God's leading you to do. If you need to come up here and pray, you do so while we sing, but right now I'm going to pray, and then we'll sing. Father, God, I love you, and I thank you that you understand, know all that we're going through, all that we go through, all that we will go through. You understand the reasons and the purpose. You understand why it is that our lives take the, the, the twists and turns that they do. And Father, we can become uh, angry. We, we can become uh, self-centered. We can become focused on the negatives. And all the while, you're trying to teach us and train us, make us bigger and stronger and better, better equipped to face whatever is in our tomorrow, better equipped to minister to the person next to us. You're there to help us. And, and Lord, teach us, teach us to bring it to you. Teach us to bring all things to you and to leave it with you, not, not pick up the plane and take it too early. 
but wait on you for your answer and for your, your willingness to heal us and to, and to fix us and to show us the way. Father, I'm praying for those who need Jesus. I'm praying for those who need to come back to Jesus. I'm praying for those who just need to talk to Jesus this morning. Father, have your will and your way in this place today in each and every heart, and we'll give you praise and honor and glory as we watch you work. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you stand with me?